Would you be interested in fighting Apollo Creed for the World Heavyweight Championship? No. Listen, Rocky. Apollo's seen you fight. He likes you. He wants to fight you. Hey, now when you walk into the ring for the number one heavyweight of the world, you'll be ready. You're gonna eat lightning and you're gonna crack thunder. You're gonna become a very dangerous place. Ladies and listeners it's now playing rocky retrospective series this balboa thing is interesting and you want to call it nostalgia whatever the hell you want but people can relate to that stuff hosted by arnie there is no one who can match his strength or his aggressiveness brock you're the man you're number one the old people love you young people love you you're the man and jacob i must break you come back to nowplayingpodcast.com each week as we go with the distance and review all the Rocky films. What's your prediction for the fight? Pain. But be warned, these podcasts contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language. Listener discretion is advised. He doesn't know it's a damn show. He thinks it's a damn fight. Uh, Let's get ready to rumble! Today we're talking about Rocky, starring Sylvester Stallone, Talia Shire, Burt Young, Carl Weathers, Burgess Meredith, and directed by John G. Albertson. This is Brocky, co-host of Now Playing. Yo, Brock! Yo, Arnie! This is Jacob! Brock, 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 This is Arnie! I was hoping you didn't go, Brocky, Brocky. Rocky. We gotta wait till the last five minutes to start the cheering for you, Brock. <laughs> yeah, we have to talk for an hour and fifty minutes first. <laughs> yeah, right. No kidding. Well, welcome to the first episode in the Rocky retrospective series. We are gonna review all six films in anticipation of Christmas. Nothing. Yeah, the <laughs> Rocky takes place on New Year's Day. That's true. So what better time for the holidays from Thanksgiving to New Year's to do than a Rocky retrospective series? Absolutely. And I just hope everyone's Thanksgiving could go as smooth as Paulie's and Adrian's and Rocky's in this film. (laughs) (laughs) Thanksgiving to remember. But yeah, I mean, this is basically because the listeners demanded it, or maybe one listener demanded it a lot. But we saw Rocky a lot on the Facebook page and the emails and things, and we always want to give the listeners what they want because the listeners donate and keep us on the air. And so this is our way of saying thanks. It didn't help that the trailers for Mission Impossible 4 didn't really excite us. Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) So, I'm what you call the casual fan of Rocky. I have seen all the movies before, and typically when a Rocky movie is on TV in the middle of the afternoon, I always see what scene it is, and if it's a fight scene or some scene I like, I always watch it. It's one of those things. So you don't watch too much of it, then? No, it's really kind of funny (laughs) you should say that, because... (laughs) Well, it depends on which Rocky. We'll get into that, but we'll get... It depends on which one, how much fighting you get. Definitely, and I have not really sat down and watched them from start to finish, hardly ever. I usually just pick them up where they are, because I've seen them before. And so this is kind of a treat for me to be able to sit down and watch a Rocky movie on purpose. 
<laughs> so, yeah, I'm a fan of the Rocky series. I always get excited when I hear the music. It's one of those themes for me. I always am game to watch Rocky, but I never go out of my way to do so. So I am a casual fan, and I am very much looking forward to discussing it with you guys. And I am the fan. I mean, these are films, especially the first four, that even the fifth one for some reason, but vivid memories from my childhood and early teens watching the Rocky films. I haven't sat down and watched them in completion, and it's not something I do all the time, but again, these first four, and even that fifth one, I could pretty much talk about without even seeing them. I've seen them so many times. I mean, these are films. You got Sylvester Stallone. We'll have Mr. T coming up, Hulk Hogan, Dolph Lundgren. If you grew up in the 80s and you were a boy, (laughs) these are just things you know. I grew up in the 80s, Jacob. I'm a boy. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, but you were the exception to the rule. You hadn't seen Jaws (laughs) until this year. You know, you haven't seen a lot of stuff that a lot of us normally saw. And of course, you saw a lot of things that we didn't see. Arnie, are you the newbie? Are you saying you haven't seen these? I am the newbie, and... You've seen it like Rocky, though, right? I've seen Rocky three in theaters. Okay, good. good. Back in the day, and <laughs> that's the only one I can guarantee I've seen from start to finish. Now, these things are run ad nauseum by TNT, and they have been for 20 years, and so I would turn it on. And kind of like when they do 24 hours of a Christmas story, you may not watch a Christmas story from beginning to end, but eventually in that 24 hours, you see all of a Christmas story. That's where I thought I was with Rocky. I thought that I'd seen it, but never contiguous from beginning to end. It turns out, having watched Rocky for this week, I've never seen 95% of this movie and I think I've seen 0% of the next one. It just blows me away that someone our age has not seen Rocky. This is a coming-of-age film. How could you not seen Rocky? This blows me away, Arnie. It was a little before my time, and by the time I would have gone back and watched these, Rocky 4 and 5 were the ones coming out, and I may have seen all of Rocky 5 in my dorm room one time. My roommates had it on a lot. I know my ring's outside, but <laughs> you know, that's about it. I am the newbie. I've not seen most of one none of two i don't think i've seen ever four or five in a full sitting and i've never seen a frame of six outside of the trailer so i am the newbie once again terrific and i'll agree i mean three was probably the first one that i saw theatrically and again as a kid Hogan, Mr. T, we'll get into it. Four. When we get into four, I'll talk about my love of four. I think four is what got me the job on now playing, but I'll talk about four (laughs) when we get there. But I don't know. These are all films that I remember watching as a kid. And it's funny because this first film, just a, a little personal background, my father at the time, this is, you know, I was in the womb, I believe, but he was working for a movie studio. They were trying to get a movie greenlit. And what they would do back then is they would take like little trailers that they made to the executives and show them to the executives sitting in their chairs, smoking their cigars to see if they wanted to fund this movie. And so he brings this reel for this movie he's working on and he's up in the projector room and the guy's like, oh yeah, we'll put it on right after this one. If you want to sit here and watch some of these movies you know that we're showing them go ahead so they put this reel on and it's this really rough black and white film rocky scrolls across my dad's like laughing and he's watching this and he's like this is just the cheesiest looking who wants a boxing movie who wants an underdog boxing story and just laughing and my mom was with them at the time and they're like that film isn't gonna go anywhere because of that like my dad always telling me about that story i feel like i have a special connection to these films because it goes back to before i was born well you know that's something that i should be said for rocky is these days 
in our lifetime, sports movies are so common from Bull Durham to Major League to Necessary Roughness. I can't believe Necessary Roughness is in my top three go-tos. I was like, but what happened to the rookie? Or... <laughs> Wow, the Mighty Ducks? Yes, the Mighty Ducks, uh, <laughs> Rookie of the Year, you know, all of these. Really, you can trace them back to Rocky. Rocky brought forward the trope of the sports film using boxing. Not that there weren't films before this. And really, perhaps it wasn't Rocky that started it, because the same year you got Bad News Bears, another great sports film about underdogs. So perhaps it was part of just the culture at the time. And we're going to talk about that, I'm sure, as we get into Rocky. But... I think Rocky can be credited with the glut of sports films that we get. I would definitely say Breaking Away a few years later is definitely because Rocky was a huge hit and things like that. I think definitely The Champ the next year, Little Ricky Schroeder. Champ's another one that I watched all the time as a kid because of Rocky. Strangely, so did I. (laughs) I watch The Champ all the time, fried every time like a baby. And you could also look at Raging Bull a few years later could possibly be traced back to Rocky as well. But they were picking up in the 70s. I mean, we did have Brian's song, Longest Yard, and, you know, for all you bedwetters out there, Michael Landon's The Loneliest Runner. But I'm also really glad to be doing this with you guys because this is kind of the missing link, right? I mean, we started off together, the three of us, with Karate Kid from the director of Rocky, and we made a lot of Rocky references, and then... Yeah, which is funny, Satan, now that I realize you've never seen this film, and you kept comparing the Karate Kid to it. Yeah! It's like Jaws, you know? Do I need to see Rocky? I know Rocky. Well, we'll get to that at the end, if you need to see Rocky. (laughs) And then, we went and did Rambo, the other big Sly Stallone franchise, but this is kind of the missing link between those two, and so I'm glad that it's the three of us here in the ring together for this. Absolutely. How about a plot summary, Arnie? It's 1975, and boxing's heavyweight champion of the world, Apollo Creed, is set for a New Year's Day match in Philadelphia, celebrating America's bicentennial with a fight at the home of the Liberty Bell. But just before Thanksgiving, his opponent backs out, and Apollo refuses to let the glory and the money the fight would get him slip away. When no other professional boxer will agree to fight Apollo with only five weeks to train, Apollo decides on a novel idea for even more publicity. Pick a local boxer from Philadelphia who's never gone pro and give him a once-in-a-lifetime shot at the heavyweight championship of the world. And in looking through listings of local boxers, Apollo chooses one based solely on his nickname, the Italian Stallion, whose real name is Rocky Balboa. But everybody knew that, right? Rocky is 30, living in Philly all his life, trying to make it as a boxer as his parents told him he wasn't smart enough to do anything else. With boxing not making ends meet, he works days as an enforcer for the local loan shark, Gazio. Rocky lives a day-to-day existence, flirting with the shy girl, Adrian, who works at the local pet store, and training to box under Mickey, played by Burgess Meredith. We follow Rocky's day-to-day life, hanging out with his drunkard friend, Polly, who works at the local meat plant, and his early courtship of Adrian when he is told of Apollo's offer to fight. Rocky agrees, and this immediately puts Rocky's life in the spotlight as news agencies cover the story of this unknown fighting the world heavyweight champ. And Rocky takes it seriously, training hard through whatever means he can, including punching slabs of meat at Pauly's packing plant, and training under Mickey, who had previously rejected him due to his mob ties. Meanwhile, Apollo is more focused on the promotional and the financial opportunities of the fight, thinking of it as a big publicity stunt. So when the fight comes, Apollo is unprepared for Rocky's ruthless barrage, and the fight is long, drawn-out one that goes the full 15 rounds, until, in a split decision, judges rule Apollo the winner of the match. But that doesn't matter to Rocky, who didn't enter the ring with the hopes of winning, but just the hopes of going the distance, lasting all 15 rounds with the champ. And it was that determination that had him get up time and time again as Apollo knocked him down. 
And in the media spectacle after the fight, Rocky calls out to Adrian, the woman he loves, to cherish his moment in the spotlight as credits roll. So, you know how you watch a Star Wars movie, the three of us. I'm sure you do have the same feeling when you see the 20th Century Fox logo, and then you expect Lucasfilm Limited to come after it, and then Star Wars to burst on the screen after a long time ago, right? When I see that UA, I always expect to see a Rocky movie after it. And as soon as it started spinning around this time, I was like, I'm watching a Rocky movie. And this time it was. Jacob, do you have that feeling when you see the UA? I don't get that feeling. I just get pumped up when that theme song comes on. Absolutely. There's Star Wars. A lot of this is John Williams, Superman, Indiana Jones, but this Rocky theme, man, it gets me excited. To see that big Rocky scroll across the screen, hear that music, I get pumped. Me too. You know, everybody knows the music. It's iconic. But what I found very amusing was there's the iconic bit, right? Ba-da-da, da-da-da. And that kind of jazzed it up there for broadway but (laughs) you know what i'm saying yes but what's funny is after the iconic bit then all of a sudden we're in a disco i don't think they kept the whole score main theme in the future installments because i did not remember the funky saturday night fever portions of this theme the wicka 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 is in there too there's a couple of different themes in this movie that i always think of rocky but the big fanfare of course at the beginning of the movie and what you said the the gonna fly now of course is the one that stays with rocky throughout the series, if I memory serves. But they had that small piano music, too, that very quiet piano music, too, that is the same theme, but very slow, and that very reminiscent of, for me, of what Rocky movies are. There's a lot of music cues, much like, say, The Empire Strikes Back, that are so part of this movie that the score cannot be undersold for this movie. It really helps it along, I think, in a lot of different places. Absolutely. While portions of it dated poorly, the majority of it is so iconic. Again, goes back to... I didn't need to see this movie to know that. <laughs> Good point. And so we open up <laughs> in the church basement, I think it is, because we open up on Jesus Christ as we bring down to the boxing ring and the club fighting. Which really made me wonder, is this a Christ parable? Is Rocky fighting for our sins? It is a resurrection story. Much like Christ, if you believe Christian doctrine, we will be resurrected because of Christ's sacrifice. Rocky gets a second chance. Apollo is his Christ figure. Apollo, the sun god, Christ, the son of God. Yes, if you watch the commentaries, Stallone points it out, the directors pointed out, this was a very deliberate choice to scroll from the face of Christ down to Rocky beating the crap out of some guy. (laughs) Actually, more appropriately, I thought, He was getting beat or playing low and then finished him off to get the money. It seemed like he was waiting for the right time to take Spider out. I didn't think Rocky was really beating him all that hard in that first match. And I thought that was also on purpose. Well, yes, towards the beginning, and once he gets headbutted, right. it brings out that street brawler in Rocky. I mean, that's how he is. He's someone you have to push. We'll get into his character arc, but he has some natural talent, but he needs to be pushed to have the greatness brought out in him. And when Spider headbutts him... That brings out this street thug, this brawler, and he finally takes him down. And quickly after that. It's actually pretty heavy-handed. I didn't know why. (laughs) They have Rocky scroll across the screen, and there's Jesus. I mean, I've never seen this movie before, and I'm like, Christ parable in my notes. (laughs) But the other thing about this opening that really shocked me, and I mean this in a good way, how bad it was. Because you think of a Rocky movie, and you think about boxing, and again, I've seen Rocky three in theaters, I know three, four, five. I expect it to be some well-choreographed, scored, MTV music video type exciting thing. 
This fight at the very beginning is completely non-glamorous. It's not cool. It's not stylized. It feels really real and non-cinematic. And that's actually a compliment to it in that it helps establish this world so well. Rocky is not a glamorous guy in this film. He's an every guy and really down on his luck fighting for 40 bucks if he's lucky enough to win. And I thought it was a great way to immediately establish who this character is and the way he lives. Agreed. Yeah, there's a lot of smoke, people smoking cigars, bets being passed around. And one of the commentary tracks, if you have this special edition, they have two boxers talking during the film for the last final eight <laughs> wow. minutes, I guess. Anybody we'd know? No, I don't know. It's probably because of these films I was never really able to get into boxing because it's not as exciting as the fights in the Rocky films if you ever try to watch a real boxing match. I actually have watched several during the days of Tyson. I, Me too. I was really into boxing. Late 80s, early 90s, around the same time as Arnie. Watched a lot of pay-per-view fights and because of Rocky, got me interested in boxing and my dad and I would watch it together and he would teach me strategies about what they're doing and etc. But I agree with you in this first match too something you don't see a lot in rocky movies we see a lot of hugging we actually see some blocking and that's more <laughs> what real boxing is like in this scene also to tag on to uh, what you said before arnie the boxers themselves are drinking beer and smoking cigarettes right after the bout you know they themselves aren't taking it as seriously it's because it's the kind of world they're in and if you don't get it from the rawness of the fight you should get it by the payout by the club owner and them sitting there drinking beers and smoking cigarettes right after the fight and these two boxers on the commentary they said this felt very real they were seeing the betting going on that's what you'd find in these little boxing clubs especially back you know before boxing really became mainstream with tyson i thought this set up who rocky was and this whole movie really is the journey of rocky as a character going from this point and it's such an interesting choice what they do with him, but I also found it a bit obvious. When we are introduced to him, I mean, we see him in the ring pummeling somebody, and we're like, okay, this is kind of a tough guy. But then he's walking home, and you see him, like, knocking on the window with puppies and kittens. Oh, he likes kittens. He's a good guy. And then the next thing you know, he's beating somebody up. He's a bad guy again. So they're really trying to sell the audience on who this character is, but continue to make him likable. It's a interesting tightrope to watch them walk they actually have him as an enforcer for the local loan shark but he can't actually put the muscle on anybody he roughs him up a tiny bit but he won't break the thumbs like he's supposed to so he's tough but he has a heart of gold and that's really what they're trying to sell you in the first 40 minutes of the movie now i, I gotta disagree really this isn't a tough guy with a heart of gold i didn't get that at all i mean this film and this really started happening in the 60s and 70s where you had these films that were just character studies and that's what most of this yes. film is it's about this character i think this is just a real rounded character I don't think it's they're trying to say it's the thug with the heart of gold. He's a loser. For most of this film, I kind of pity him. I know people like this where they go around and just talk to you and they're throwing out the bad jokes and they're always rambling. And it's because deep down inside, they're just lonely people. And that's just what they somehow find the strength to go. So I don't see him as the guy with the heart of gold. I think he's a loser most of this film. I think most of the people in this film are losers for the majority of it. I don't disagree with that at all about being a loser thing. But I think when you see signs of him, when he's in a situation, he finds a way to be positive. He's always a positive angle on it. So, yes, you're right that he has nothing going for him, but somehow he still finds a way to be positive. So he won't hurt the guy. He won't get the full money from the guy. He doesn't hurt the guy to do it. So it says to me that there's something more there. He has character, you know? And I got to back Brock up on this. In the 70s, character studies were big. Most of the films 
We're not afraid of going dark. I mean, you look at some of the other character studies, even from the late 60s, you know, you got The Godfather, The Godfather Part 2. So many of these character studies from that time, the 70s were a dark time for cinema. And here, to use a metaphor from boxing, they pull their punch with Rocky. They never want to let him go too dark. He's a loser. Yes, and he kind of ends the movie a loser because he loses the fight. I disagree with that comment. You know what I mean. But they want to sell this character as a good guy. Mm-hmm. He's with the puppies, the kittens, the turtles, not breaking the thumbs. We're supposed to get from him heart of gold because that's what's supposed to make him stand out is that he's nothing spectacular. I honestly, not to steal too much of my own final thought, but this is a very populist film, right? In the 70s, when you were dealing with the oil shortages and still in the aftermath of Vietnam, which we talked about with Rambo, here, this is supposed to be a guy who's very blue-collar, and we get to see him rise up over the course of the movie, and what we, the audience, are supposed to see is, well, this guy's no better than I am. He's no smarter than me. If anything, he's dumber. He's no Adonis physically. He works out, and he gets in shape and trains, but I could do that, right? He's supposed to be the everyman who has the heart to rise above, and that heart has to be a heart of gold to sell him to the masses the way they did. Mm-hmm. I just don't like the connotation of Heart of Gold. I mean, that to me, it's really talking down, and I just don't see that here. You know, you look at him when Rocky interacts with Adrian and Polly, and Polly flies off the handle. It's not like Rocky's getting up to punch this guy out and protect Adrian. He's kind of just backs off. Uh, no, because he's know. got the Heart of Gold, though. You see him, he makes the face at Polly and makes the motion at Polly like, I'm going to hit you, but he's the peacemaker. That's the Heart of Gold. If you had Charles Bronson in here, <laughs> he, you know, a, another 70s actor who they weren't afraid to go dark with. Charles Bronson would punch Polly out and put him in his place, but because Rocky's so good, he's going to be Polly's friend and smooth things over with Adrian. Also, you know, he gives him the look and Polly sees in his face that Rocky could waste him right there. Rocky knows that's all he needs at that moment. He doesn't have to hurt him. I want to say something really quick here. The same year Taxi Driver came out. You know, it's character study, darker. And so it's a good comparison mm-hmm. of movies because it came out the same year. Thank you. I wasn't sure what year they came out. I was definitely thinking of that when I was... Yeah, it came out during the first half of the year, and this came out towards the later half of the same year. Which I had to look up because at the end of yep. this film, <laughs> Stallone sitting there saying, I think he's looking at me. And I'm like, wait, did they? Is that a ripoff of Taxi Driver? Are they, but they came out the same year. Is he talking to me? I think he's, he's talking to me. At yeah, me. it was really yeah. funny. Yeah, because like, it's the same year as Taxi Driver. It's so funny. Yeah. But I know you think that it's a little condescending, Jacob. But there's one thing I'm going to say up front: is this movie schmaltzy? It really is. I mean, it's it's a Wonderful Life level schmaltz. Oh no. No, come on. Have you seen It's a Wonderful Life, or are you just going off of that because of pop cultural references, too? Many times. I watch it every year. <laughs> that is small. This is nowhere. Come on, Arnie. This is nowhere near It's a Wonderful Life. Maybe I'm a 21st century cynic watching a 1976 Schmaltzfest, but nonetheless, that's not necessarily a derogatory statement. But when I say it's populist, I mean, it's all about being American and blue collar, raw, and overcoming the rich people. And it's very populist. No, it's not that at all. It's not. This is the myth, the folktale of the American dream. It's about you get your chance. It's not that that chance is going to win out at the end necessarily. We'll get to that later. 
but it's that you get your chance and it's up to you what you get to do with that chance. I just think to say this is rah, 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 go America, I don't see that at all. This is a dirty film with unlikable people. Who do you like in this film? You get Rocky. He's a loser. He talks too much. He tells bad jokes. You have Adrian, who's social retard. I don't even know if I could say that, but there's no better way to put it. I would say she gave up on life a long time ago. You got Polly. I was scared of Polly as a kid because he's <laughs> such a scary drunk. You got Mickey, who's just uh, this mean, bitter old man. Who do you like in this film? Rocky. That's who you like is Rocky because he has the heart of gold. I want to go through all those characters you mentioned, but in all of it, this whole movie, who you like is Rocky. And you want to know why you like Rocky is, again, because Rocky's the everyman. And you talk about getting the chance. You know what? I'm going to say this up front. There were a couple times during this movie that I almost cried. Now, why did I almost cry during Rocky? The reason being because... Who doesn't have that? Who doesn't have the dream that they've always put on the pedestal and just think, man, if I could just get my shot, if I could just get that chance. And in this case, it's boxing, but you can put anything in the world on it. And that is, like you said, the American dream. And here, Rocky is everybody who dreams of having a chance to rise above. And probably most people have already passed the age when they were seeing Rocky of passing it by. Kids can watch it and say, someday I'll get my chance. Adults can watch it and say, man, I wish I'd gotten that chance. Rocky is the majority of America, the middle to lower class. You find that schmaltzy? Yes. Schmaltzy has a negative connotation, but it, it is sure what does. it is. That doesn't mean it's not enjoyable, but it's schmaltzy. <laughs> It's a Wonderful Life. It's a very good film. Schmaltz up to hell. No, it's not. I hate It's a Wonderful Life. This is not It's a Wonderful Life. It is. It's a wonderful boxing match. I don't want to review It's a Wonderful Life, but I could. We could do that next Christmas. For this Christmas, we're doing Rocky. And I think that um, Schmaltzy, in my mind, has a negative connotation to it, Arnie. But I think everything you just said about Rocky and his character is mostly true. So perhaps, how about inspiring? Inspiring would be okay if we were dealing with a realistic situation. But we've got the mob enforcer with the heart of gold who gets his golden ticket to the boxing ring. This is dear God level schmaltz. I mean, it's a fairy tale. I'm okay with this being... A, you say fairy tale, I say folk tale, cause I think that has more of roots in Americana, and I think this film is Americana. I'm okay with a folk tale. I'm okay with stories not having to be about what horrible, loathsome people we are. There's definitely great films in that category, and maybe that's what set this film apart so much in this late 70s, where maybe people were sick of that in cinema. I'm saying you could tell good stories in either genre. This is true. And mm -hmm. I want to say, I'm calling the film out on the carpet because I think these things need to be said about it. But I think that it certainly struck a chord in the 70s with audiences, becoming a hugely popular and very profitable film, grossed a ton of money. And I think it's because... In the 70s, people needed the uplifting outlook. And I think we're back in that point today. I mean, an uplifting thing at a movie is not a bad thing. I find it funny that you call this populist because the producers were scared to death of this movie because there's no demographic for it. I mean, what women are going to go see a boxing film? They're really concerned it was set in Philadelphia because that was known as a Republican city. The protagonist loses at the end. I mean, they didn't think this film would appeal to anyone. They were worried about that. So I find it funny that now you're saying it's populist and it would appeal to the lower working class because the executives had no idea who this film was going to appeal to. And more to the point, we're all talking about the uplifting movie. This movie, as we all know, and much to my surprise when I was a child, when I was watching Rocky 3 and Rocky 4, when I found this out for the first time, this movie won Best Picture and it was against four darker 
movies. And I think one of the big reasons it won is because of everything we're talking about right now. Mm -hmm. Of all five of those movies, off the top of my head, it's all the President's Men, Taxi Driver, and Network. Those movies, while very good movies, have a much darker tone and much more depressing aspects to them. Whereas this movie, while it has these depressing characters, which we'll get into in a moment, and all these depressing things, there's something that strikes a chord within everybody. Whether or not you call it a folktale, you call it schmaltzy, all three of us were affected by this character in this movie. So no matter what point of view we're all coming from in this movie... This guy affected us, and I think that happened to everybody watching this movie, because there's something about this guy that everyone can associate with on some level, if not more than one. Exactly. And it's an amazing character, an amazing written character, and I want to give props to Stallone for putting this character across on the screen. Yeah, you might be giving him too many props, because I think part of the reason we can project so well onto him is because he's, I don't think, that well-written or well-defined. We get general broad strokes about him but he reminds me of like an action figure and i read that action figures especially aimed at the youngest children are intentionally left featureless so the child could project themselves as that action figure and i think rocky is intentionally left featureless so that we can project more onto him i'm gonna disagree with you arnie <laughs> i'm just gonna leave it at that i mean people were saying stallone reminded them of young marlon brando when they watched this film i mean i think Whatever happened to Stallone <laughs> because and after of this franchise, I hear people talk about what a great writer he was, how smart he is. I've heard the man speak. I went Comic Con. 2010 when the expendables was coming out i happened to be waiting for the scott pilgrim panel and had to sit through that one and someone asked him oh you know what directors inspire you and he goes i like underdog movies <laughs> well, well underdog movies I, is that a name I, I haven't heard of that director like whatever stallone has become Maybe it was just the right role. You know, it reminded me of Ben Affleck. We talked a lot about him. Arnie, you and I talked about him in Daredevil and Paycheck. We bagged on Ben Affleck a lot, but Affleck, we all agreed that there's a certain role that he does really well. And I think Stallone, this Rocky role is just something it fit his life. It mirrored his life. And I thought he did a great job in it. You know, we talked about Jaws a lot before we did Jaws about the story of, you know, how things didn't work. Well, this is a classic story. Maybe some of our listeners don't know is that. When they read the script, people loved it, but then he refused to sell it unless he was starring it, and that's why this movie had no money, <laughs> because they didn't want to give it a star role to a nobody, and he refused to get rid of it, but they loved the script so much that they just said, fine, we'll make it with you, and we'll give you half the budget, and go make it, and I don't know how long it took, I think a month and a half or something to make this movie, and it's really quick, like, it's an independent kind of movie kind of thing, and it's because of his tenacity and everything else, much like Rocky, to be a star of this movie that people clung to Sylvester Stone like this. It was very much like they were talking about that when Mickey Rourke was nominated for The Wrestler a few years ago, that his story kind of mirrors the wrestler character in that movie. And same thing with the Rocky character here a little bit with Stallone, that he would not give up when he was pushed against the wall and this yada, 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 yada. yada. So it's a great story. You know, I read that, and I have to say that this movie wouldn't work if you'd put a star in it. If you put, like, one of the names I'd read was Robert Redford. Mm -hmm. And immediately, yes. you can't have Rocky be more attractive than you. You know? <laughs> True. <laughs> you need this to be the everyman. Again, I think that you need to be able to look at Rocky and feel a sense of superiority in some regard. You're better looking than Stallone. You're smarter than Stallone. You're Rocky in this case. I think that there needs to be something where at the end of the movie you go, hell, if he can do it. And I don't think that would work if you took an established star, especially one who was conventionally attractive. Arnie, did you want this movie to be darker? Because the original script was darker. It ended on a very dark note, the first draft. I'm very happy with what we got. I'm merely analyzing what we got. 
What the hell is with the scene where Rocky's walking that girl home calling her a whore and we never see her and she tells him to go screw off and we never see her come back to ask him for his autograph? What the hell? <laughs> That'd be too schmaltzy, Arnie. Now who's schmaltzy? <laughs> that scene had no payoff. It was a character building moment. It does pay off. You're right. It showed he had a heart of gold walking the girl home and telling her how to be good. Why don't we talk about some of the other characters in the movie? All right. Because we've talked a little bit about Rocky here, and he's surrounded by three other pretty strong characters around him. Colorful, powerful, and well-performed characters in this movie. Why don't we start with Adrian? What is wrong with her? (laughs) (laughs) And more importantly, why the hell is Rocky attracted to her? He wants to go the distance, and he really wants to rise above with his boxing, but he's happy to settle for the mute at the pet store when it comes to dating. For me, the heart of gold thing didn't come out. I saw Rocky as a loser, so of course he would pick this girl. This is like the one chance he has. There's no way he could get with someone that has actual social skills. It's going to sound a little harsher than I mean it to be, but, you know, Rocky might see her as a pet. Almost sometimes, you know, he, she goes to the pet store and he likes talking to her and she clearly keeps flashing him looks and they clearly have some sort of something going on. But neither one of them wants to make a move or can make a move. And when he asks her out, she says no, because she's too shy. And it's almost like he's almost stroking her. It's weird. I mean, maybe the pet's the wrong analogy. I didn't see her shoot him looks. Oh, yeah. But again, I've only seen this movie the one time. In the first scene, when you see Adrian, when he goes in the pet store and he starts trying to flirt with her and stuff like that, and the lady sends her to the back. There's at least twice where she flashes her eyes up to get a last glimpse of him before she goes in the back. And I don't know if Rocky saw it, but the camera lets us know that she's doing it. But Rocky's doing the same thing to her. Okay, that helps me because, honestly, many times throughout this film, especially the first half hour, I got a stalker vibe (laughs) off Rocky with Adrian and even a little bit of a rapist vibe. (laughs) I was very disturbed by this courtship. That's very funny, Arnie, because when they finally go on their date oh, and he's yeah. trying to get her to go inside his apartment the actual cops walked by like in real life cops walked by and they were really concerned that there was something not so savory going on and that date when they get upstairs he traps her he won't let her leave he's a strong heavyweight boxer cornering her and forcing a kiss upon her that wouldn't fly in these days that is sexual assault Again, it's very high school to me. When you go in for that first kiss with a date or whatever, it has that kind of vibe. And I expect these two to have kind of that adolescent mentality with their social skills. So it doesn't surprise me that he finally has to just go in and go for it. I mean, I did that all the time in high school. That's how you know if you're going to get to make out with the girl or not. Okay, let's talk the scene a little bit. Because she doesn't want to go in. She knows what's going on. She doesn't want to have to be expected to do anything. She's scared to go in. And he finally gets her in the store. And let's just preface this with, was she pretty much just pimped out by her brother to go on this date? (laughs) Well, I think it wasn't necessarily pimped out. I mean, Rocky had the hots for her. And he knew that she was too shy and that she was almost 30, going to die alone. She's all dried up. She's going to dry up, Arnie. That's a line Polly says. And I want to talk more about Polly, but we'll get to him in a minute. But I think in this case, he's doing what he thinks is best for both of them. He may not be going about it in the most diplomatic of ways, right. but he's trying to help them both get what I guess he thinks they want slash need. And throughout this movie, she doesn't want to do something. Polly pushes to the point where she just has to get out of there and get away from him. And then she leaves the house to go on the date. And I want to say, again, when Polly's yelling at her, she locks herself in the room. Rocky's talking to her through the door. And when she walks out, all she's done is put on a hat and a coat. Talia Shire, I mean, her acting skills, man, 
Like, she pulls it off like, this is a different woman that emerges. This is someone that's sick of her brother's crap, and she's just going to go out and do this thing, even though she totally hates it. I thought it was a great scene. She was a weak woman running out of the kitchen, screaming because Polly threw the turkey out the window on Thanksgiving night. And then she comes out of there with a different set of confidence, like, let's go on this date. You're absolutely right, and I'm glad you gave her the props, because throughout this movie, especially at the end of the date we talked about with this whole kissing scene, she starts off with that little bit of tentativeness, and she goes upstairs and she's worried. You can see this woman is worried about what's going to happen to her in this apartment with this big guy. And at the end of the scene, she's passionately kissing her. And that's good acting. And she actually physically embodied this character so well with the different aspects of where she was in her mind. Like, you can read her mind by her body actions. It was great. I know this was nominated for a lot of Oscars. Was she one of the nominations? All four of these actors that we're going to talk about were Stallone, Talia Shire, Burt Young, and Burgess Meredith. Because out of this entire cast, she was, in my opinion, the weak link. Now, first of all, in my mind, I keep confusing her with Shelley Duvall. Wow. I mean, this woman looks like olive oil to me. She was nominated previously, I believe, for The Godfather. You never seen The Godfather, Arnie? Yes. You know what? I've seen The Godfather, and I thought she was pretty good at it, but I think maybe it's the character here. But while I did definitely see certain things on that date, like during the ice skating rink, you see her starting to loosen up, starting to have a little fun, but... I still don't know what was wrong with her at the beginning of the movie. And much like that kiss kind of bothers me as a sexual assault, I'm also bothered that once she gets the gift of the magic penis, she's able to come out of her shell. That seems a little sexist to me. I don't think they slept together there, Arnie. Then you can't read 70s between the lines because they're on the floor kissing and it fades. That's the sex scene in the subtle manner. I'm not saying they didn't have a sexual connection and the sexual thing wasn't there, Arnie. I'm saying I don't think they actually did the deed that day. And I'm saying I think that it's pretty obvious they did. Regardless, I don't think it's the fact that she got some penis that brought her out of her shell. It's the fact that someone took interest in her. Someone showed that they had confidence in her, just like Stallone. Hey, someone picked him. Apollo, the sun god, picked him out from the Earthlings to fight him and bring him into notoriety. I mean, Rocky, this is marrying that. It's Rocky's doing the same thing with Adrian here. He's showing confidence in her and saying, hey, you're better than who you really are. You shouldn't be like this. You should come out of your shell like Cuff and Link, the turtles. You talk about how obvious the symbolism is, and then you're going into penis envy references here? Come on, you're missing it. I would completely appreciate that, Jacob, if he had taken her back home kissed her goodnight on the doorstep, and left her there. Wait, now you want the schmaltzy movie where he does have the heart of gold. (laughs) It is a schmaltzy movie. See, it's not. This is realistic to me. I don't think they slept together because later in the movie, he's sleeping on the couch, she's sleeping in the bed when she moves in with him. If they were sleeping together, he'd be in the bed with her the entire time. It's in there where she tries to sleep with him and he says, I can't sleep with you during training. They slept together pre-training and then he goes, women make you weak in the knees and so they have to stop having sex and that's the sacrifice. It is in there, it is said there, they had sex. If they're almost 30, they're banging each other. I don't (laughs) think that's a bad thing. I agree with you. I don't think it's a bad thing. Artie thinks it's sexual assault and penis envy and that. I think it's great that they're having sex. I don't have a problem with it. (laughs) Even if it's done in a 70s way. This is a PG film. I don't have a problem with it. Again, it's just a little schmaltzy that she gets the love of a man and now all of a sudden she's gone from hat-wearing mute to this really pretty girl. You thought she became real pretty? Because that's what I liked is that she's still kind of awkward looking. Maybe she had a nicer dress on. She was prettier. She was prettier. She was prettier, yeah. (laughs) She combed her hair. Took the glasses off and took the hat off. Kind of like she's all that kind of thing. But you know what? I came to really like this character. I really did. I like that they made her smart. I like that they made these two kind of fill the gaps in the holes that the <laughs> other one has, you know? She fills gaps. <laughs> 
And so does Rocky, apparently. I missed that in the movie. Arnie, that's the end of your argument right there. That's all you need to cite. <laughs> she fills gaps. Yeah, I mean, I like their relationship. I really do. What I don't get is both of their relationship with Polly. Is Polly supposed to be a villain in this film? Because I never could quite get a beat on him. I really kept expecting this film to eventually have that scene where Rocky takes Polly to task for all his drinking and rudeness and things, and it never really happens. And I, I can't get a beat on Polly's role in this whole thing. I think he's just a person like all these people. I mean, I said before, this is a character study, and that's why I don't see the schmaltzy hearted gold stuff, because it's just people being people, and sometimes there's not resolutions to their story arc. Sometimes they begin as a drunk, and they end as a drunk. I don't understand why Rocky is friends with Polly. Rocky's friends with everyone. He's friendly with everybody. He's friends with Polly and keeps giving Polly chances. He gives Polly all these guineas. Well, Polly does give him free steak. <laughs> That's true, and Rocky <laughs> does pay for his beer at the bar. I just was confused on why. It's just for Adrian, honestly. I think it's something else, and I just didn't get why. I got the impression that they'd been friends for a long time. Yeah, and they are lifelong friends. I just didn't get where it came from or where it started, because the two characters in this movie... It was a weird friendship, it, but it kind of worked, but it was weird because Rocky would say back off a little bit in certain things when Paulie would go off. It just found that relationship very odd, but it, it somehow works. And it's Rocky's only friend. Yeah. I mean, Rocky has nobody else. He's got Mickey, who kind of trains him, but spurs him. And then you've got Gazzo, who he works for and is kind of nice to him. I mean, the nicest mob guy I've ever seen. Nicest loan shark ever. <laughs> He gave him 50 bucks for the date, man. Yeah. Unbelievable. I've never seen a long shark portrayed in a movie. Where's the scene dropping the fifth? You know, here's a thousand bucks. I want you to take a dive in the fifth. Where's that scene for the lone shark? He's a nice lone shark. There's no scene like that in this yeah. movie. Well, come on. The underdog's not going to drop in the fifth. There's no money in that. You got to get Apollo to drop. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Okay. That's true. <laughs> the point's valid, though. This guy is just a cartoon character of a mob guy. And just unbelievably nice. But there you go. Yeah, very fitting in this Frank Capra classic. We have this impression of the mob from the godfather and that i think this movie started a lot of cliches especially with sports films but i like these little moments where these characters are just allowed to be characters again the lead actress has no social skills Polly, the mean drunk that has no redemption in this film you know he ends the film by bringing a prostitute to the boxing match you got this mob guy who's kind of like a father figure for rocky who knows what their backstory is maybe you know he brought rocky up because something happened to his parents who knows like i like that it doesn't fall into all these cliches that you would expect. And that's one of the things that I did like about this. And what's funny is going into this, I kind of wondered, given how many films this has influenced Karate Kid and more, will I feel like I've seen this already? But what shocked me is how I hadn't. It did defy my expectations in many ways. The biggest one is, earlier, Jacob, you called this a boxing movie. I don't think this is a boxing movie. This is a movie about a boxer but there's very little boxing in it. And I'll agree with that. I mean, this gets categorized as a boxing movie, and I think that's because of the later films. But this film, there's what, like eight minutes yeah. of boxing at the end of it. The rest is a drama. Yeah, this film is a drama. It is not a sports film. It's a film about a guy who plays sports, and I'd say there's a big difference there. And yeah, it surprised me how much it defied my expectations in that way. But what also surprised me is the fact 
that it held my interest so much. And I think that is completely Stallone's doing. I think that the other characters support him, but this movie lives and dies by Stallone's performance, which is top-notch. Last person we haven't talked about yet is Mickey, Burgess Meredith, the Penguin. I know him, of course, as the Penguin. Yes. I mean, I think all three of us know him as the Penguin. <laughs> but here, you talk about a cliche being born, I think he's been imitated to death after this movie and the subsequent sequels as the crabby trainer guy. And it's great. This character is fun, but you don't really get the Mickey Mickey that we always think of first when you think of Mickey that I think of. That may come later. Yeah, I don't think of much. I don't think of anything. <laughs> but in this movie, what really stands out for me with Mickey is, in addition to being the crabby guy at the gym, was, of course, that scene in the apartment when he comes to Rocky about the management. And I just like that scene so much. And talk about desperation. It was just a wonderfully acted scene. And talk about characters, and Jacob mentioned before about how they're just living. I think it's really great to see a man hat in hand, literally, coming to this guy uh, for one more chance for himself. It's just a wonderful scene and wonderful act by him. And again, now I feel I have to defend this as not schmaltzy because it's Arnie's argument, but looking at Mickey's character arc, why does he go to Rocky? Why does he want to train in him? It's not because he's had some change of heart because he's seen, oh, Rocky's got a heart of gold and he deserves this chance. It's because he wants to ride his coattails. He feels mm-hmm. he was robbed of his chance, and he's a has-been because he knocked a guy out of the ring, and then a better boxer knocked another guy out of the ring in the following fight the same night, and he never got his chance, and he's bitter. And I feel he wants to help Rocky because that's his second chance to get his name in the papers. It's not because he has a heart of gold or anything. And that's what I right. like about this film is that, again, these are all losers, and they don't always act with the best intentions. Here's what gets me is he comes, and he's not really offering to train Rocky. He's offering to manage Rocky. Now, in my mind, that's two different things. And Rocky says, I don't need a manager. I've already got the check. And I kind of think that's what managers do is get the bouts. What Rocky does need is a trainer, which is what Mickey is. So when Mickey keeps going, I would have been something if I had a manager. I kept thinking that Rocky really does need a trainer, not a manager at this stage. I think you're right. I think that's why Rocky pretty much tells him at the end of the scene. <laughs> and then he ends up training him. But what Jacob said's right is that he literally, hat in hand, looking to get some money out of this deal because he sees as his last chance to do that and be somebody in the boxing world with this guy. And so, yeah, I think Jacob said it perfectly. And I think that's why it's wonderful because we see this desperation in this guy talking to Rocky, just trying. And all he had to say is, how about I train you? And Rocky would have said yes, I think. I disagree. I think even if he went in there saying, I want to train you, Rocky was bitter. He, he says it right oh, that's there. Right. Well, that's why didn't right. you do it 10 years ago when I had a chance, when I was in my prime? Mm. Where's my locker? You're right. Now you're coming to me because I'm in the limelight. You're right. But at the end of the scene, he runs out. We don't hear what he says, but he runs out to Mickey and says something in the street, whatever. And I got the impression that they came to the agreement of training somehow. Yes, that's where it started the lost in translation cliche of the whisper that you never know what's said. And it's just a mystery. <laughs> you know what? I'm glad that they did that here i found it a very unique decision to make after we hear mickey talk almost uninterrupted for what felt like five minutes and then rocky talks for a good three even when mickey's gone rocky's still talking and after all this talking when they finally come to an agreement we don't hear it (laughs) and you know what perhaps that's just because after all that There's no way there's two lines that could be like, all right, we're better now. (laughs) And I think you either get that moment and buy into it or you don't. There's no line that they could say that's going to sell it. Mm -hmm. You either buy that Mm -hmm. moment or you don't. Sure. It's up to the viewer. And it's probably best to leave it to our imagination. Yep. Because we'll probably put something there that we can believe. But all we need to do is see Rocky put his arm around Mickey. They shake hands. They go off. And we know that we're ready for a montage. (laughs) Oh, yeah. 
This is the first montage when he has trouble getting up the stairs, right? He wakes up, breaks the eggs. Did he start the salmonella craze of the 70s? <laughs> I was wondering, because that's something like drinking the raw eggs. That's like a cliche from my childhood. And I'm mm-hmm. wondering if it started in Rocky, because Stallone, on the commentary, he says he actually used to do this because he was so poor, he just had eggs and he didn't have a way to cook them. So he just eat them raw. So he's like, oh, it seemed like a healthy thing to do. So that's why I put it in this film. So I'm wondering if this is what started that. I honestly thought it was because it was a good source of protein. You need protein when you're trying to bulk up and build muscle. And that would be the fastest way to get them down. I looked at it as a pure speed-eating type thing. I had a neighbor, and I told him I was watching Rocky the night before. He's a neighbor, a friend of mine. And he's like, when I was younger and I was training, because of Rocky, I used to drink raw eggs. They were horrible to get down, but Rocky did it. I wanted to do it, too. And I'm like... Well, there you go. So if you're wondering if he started the craze, well, if he didn't originate it, he certainly started people doing it. And I have proof. (laughs) I never tried it. I don't think I ever want to ever try drinking a raw egg. That was always like the ultimate sign, though, that you're a tough guy, like on the schoolyard playground, if you could drink the raw eggs like Rocky. Hey, if you want to puke and shit at the same time, I suggest drinking raw eggs. (laughs) But other than that, I've got to say cook them. And that's one to grow on, folks. (laughs) And this training, I was surprised at how not Karate Kid it was. I was going to ask you that, Arnie, because this is where you're like, oh, Karate Kid, it was just Rocky for little kids to watch. But no. I have memories, and somewhere, and I'm sure we're going to see this because it's in my memory, but I thought it was in the first one, you know, again, watching TNT out of order, of Rocky punching meat and chasing a chicken. These are the things I remember. Mm -hmm. And that's what I see in, you know, send the floor. Wash the car, you know, so wax on, wax off. I thought that was Rocky's thing. But here, Rocky is training in a gym for the most part. He punches the meat, I guess, because he likes it. Yeah, well, it was more out of frustration. <laughs> he just started beating it up, and then Polly capitalized on it and called the news and got him a news story. They don't really focus that much. I mean, Well, they say that he stopped there every day to punch the meat before the news came, and then one day when he was there to punch the meat, the news showed up. Okay. But I thought it was going to be a lot more Rocky's poor, so Rocky's punching meat instead of gym bags, and Rocky's chasing chickens. He does run while holding bricks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, there's not the gimmicks. Mickey didn't tell him to take his coat off and then put it on a exactly. bunch of times to teach him how to and box. I expected that. I was surprised at just how standard training it was. He tied his shoelaces together, but that makes sense in that context. Mm-hmm. You know, learn to keep your balance. When the news comes to watch him punch the meat, one of my favorite character moments in the movie, it's very small, is Duke, who is Apollo's trainer, is watching the TV with interest to watch this guy punch the meat and see what Apollo's up against and calls champ you want to take a look at this and Apollo's too busy promoting talking about Canadian taxes yeah <laughs> I love this scene. and maybe part of it is because I like this character from the sequels later on too it's kind of like he's like the wedge Antilles of this for me he always keeps popping up but that's a great scene that to really show Apollo and who Apollo is in this movie if you talked before about is Pauly the villain I don't know if Apollo is the villain here either but he certainly set more in the villain role a little bit more because of underestimating his opponent and things like that. He's more interested in the money and the glory as opposed to actually doing his business of being a fighter. Again, I don't think it's a pure villain. But by the same token, that's not really villainous so much as lazy and dumb. But Arrogance. Yeah, arrogance. There's certainly unlikable qualities, but despite the fact that he's the one Rocky has to fight at the end, he's not set up 
as an antagonist. He doesn't care enough about Rocky to antagonize him. And I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. Here's the guy he's going to fight, and you barely see him throughout this movie. He just does not care. And that shocked the hell out of me that we saw so little of him. I mean, this is Carl Weathers from Predator. I expected him to be a big part. Yes, but it wasn't Carl Weathers from Predator yet. I know, but (laughs) I, I just expected more Carl Weathers. But I like this character. I see, you know, again, I know a little bit about boxing. I see a lot of Muhammad Ali in him. He's rhyming. He's very arrogant, very full of himself. And the two boxers that did the commentary would agree with you. Even the way he throws his punches. Very Muhammad Ali. To me, it's a little bit obvious, but it's kind of fun that they actually went that way. Be a thinker, not a stinker. Yes, thank you. Yeah, that's the line (laughs) I'm thinking of. That was when I'm like, all right, it's Muhammad Ali all over the place. And I love this character, though. I was really happy whenever he was on the screen, and I wished that, honestly, there was more of him, because this movie is full of people who don't talk a lot, and when they do talk, the two characters whose performances were fun, I mean, most of them were good, but the ones that were fun were Burgess Meredith and Carl Weathers. I mean, I just love it at the end when he comes out in that big Uncle Sam thing. George Washington first, and then Mm -hmm. Uncle Sam. Yeah. It was a lot of fun to watch. He had a lot of fun with it. And they gave Burgess Meredith pretty much all the good lines. <laughs> it was just fun to listen to. You said you, we see Apollo less than we would think. I was surprised we didn't get a weigh-in scene. A very common thing in boxing to have you know, the fighters first meet. We had a press conference, I guess, that took the place of the, the weigh-in. But that would have been a kind of a fun, flashy thing. But may have just covered the same thing that the press conference covered. Yeah, I think the press conference did it very well. And I like mm-hmm. the fact that we don't see the press conference happen we see the press conference as Rocky's watching it with Adrian and Polly. That I thought was really well done. Because at this point, we're over an hour into the movie. It takes an hour in the movie before Rocky finds out about the offer from Apollo. We spend an hour setting up the situations and setting up the characters. Very little of it, as we said, is with Apollo. Most of it's with Rocky. And then we get an hour into it. And honestly, my mind is, okay, now here comes the montages and here comes the boxing and we do get a couple training montages but there's still a lot more character drama as paulie's trying to make a buck off rocky and rocky's letting him well paulie was trying to do it throughout the whole film he wants to work for the mob and he's mad that rock won't give him a job with the mob so i i'm glad that you know again you got mickey riding off rock's coattails and now you got paulie he's always been a leech and that's why i like these characters because you know what you got a friend that falls into some good fortune that's when the leeches start coming out you know people start trying to take advantage of that you win the lottery you all of a sudden you got a, all these friends you've never even heard of all these cousins you've never even heard of that's what hammer taught me what's that moment mc hammer got famous all of a sudden all of his friends became his employees i like that it felt very real to me that you know here's paulie who's always been bugging him for a job and now hey throw me something you know i've been giving you your meat i gave you my my sister, you know, do something to help me out here. And that's why I wondered if he was a villain is because he's constantly that leech and we never get any payoff to Polly. Sometimes people are just people, Arnie. <laughs> yes, but I think you're watching too many movies <laughs> looking for villains and heroes sometimes. Right. I look for character arcs and Polly never really has a character arc. He's just constantly mooching. He starts the film mooching and ends the film with getting a few thousand bucks off Rocky's oversized robe. Which is why he scared me whenever he was on. He scared me as a kid. He's the angry drunk and he's like that from what I remember through all these movies. So we're getting up to the fight and there's that last training montage and there's that one scene besides him running up the steps, of course that is pretty iconic course. 
it makes you smile and it's kind of a fun rocky moment and a lot of this was gorilla camera work because they didn't have the money to get the permits that's where i was going is that there's that great scene when he's running and he's just jogging against the backdrop of the ships and as he keeps going and it's clearly the camera's in a truck (laughs) clearly it's in the back of a truck and stallone's running and then he starts to run faster and then he starts to go full stinking sprint and it's one long shot and the trucks going faster you could see the cameras moving a little bit faster and it's just so cool that this guy is ready for this fight and it's the first time i caught myself with a big stinking ass grin on my face like yeah rocky's gonna get him and in this movie you don't have that many of those kinds of moments and later in the sequels i don't want to get ahead of myself but that was the first one for me here and i love that and then of course it's just from there on it's like a bullet in this movie, for me. Yes, the last ten minutes of it is a bullet. But it's just maybe what, we talked about it before, the, the fight scene, the whole thing with the fight is maybe what, 17, 20 minutes maybe tops? It, it's like ten. Yeah, it's, it's like, like really short, right? But, God, so much happens in there. It seems a little longer, not because of anything else, but I'm just so into everything that's going on. And from that moment on, it's when, for me, it's when it happens for me. Even though I was going with this movie the entire time, from that sprinting on, I was like, I don't know, I, I was on the edge of my seat, literally. I was just like, I was so hooked, it was unbelievable. I was on the hook, dangling from the hook for the rest of this movie. Unbelievable. What's funny is, I was not. I had a pretty level experience. With the sprinting, I was like, wow, Stallone really is running fast there. But the fact is, I was constantly wondering where the boxing match was coming into this thinking it was a boxing movie and by the time we got to this i knew the film was really close to over i knew what was left was going to be short and what i was realizing during this moment was how much i enjoyed the film without this Mm -hmm. i didn't need this it's the culmination (laughs) of the plot and the music's great and all but i'm so into these characters and these situations at this point that this didn't ramp me up at all. In fact, it was a little bit of a letdown because I knew the character stuff was over and now we're going to have the obligatory punching. There's a great scene right after that with Stallone talking about going the distance. Yes. This is such a pivotal scene Mm -hmm. and it was almost cut. I know, I love that story. (laughs) I think that's as famous a story as the shark not working. I love that story, yeah. I mean, we talked about in The Karate Kid where you had that moment where Daniel finds out about Mr. Miyagi's past and what happened to his family and that he was this decorated soldier and how they almost cut that scene and how they had a fight and it originated here. So Karate Kid and Rocky are the same films, Arnie, (laughs) is that they try to cut the most important emotional scene. Like, this scene where he's talking to Adrian and says, I'm not going to win. I just want to go the distance. Like, there's the thesis. You're not guaranteed a win in America, but you're guaranteed to have your chance and do what you want with that chance. And like Rocky, he's like, I just want to prove I could go the distance. It's emotional to me. Like, I feel tingly right now just talking about this scene. It's a powerful scene. I agree. It got me when I was watching it. Talking about it, not so much. But when I was watching <laughs> it, yeah, I was moved. Because again, you know, you are Rocky. Whatever dream you have, you are Rocky. You want the chance. And what shocked me is in doing a Google after, I figured that this was made up term, go the distance. But no, it's an actual boxing term for any fight that goes the maximum number of rounds, which I never knew. I mean, I grew up (laughs) post-Rocky when I was watching boxing. I thought when they said go the distance in a boxing match, I thought they were quoting Rocky. So with this scene here, as I mentioned before, I was 100% on this movie, like from that moment on. So when this scene came up, 
and I'm listening to this monologue, and I'm watching it, and it's like one long take, which, you know how much I love those kind of things. Well, they had to do it all in one take. They only had the money to do one take. That was their only chance to get this scene in the film. I didn't know that, but while watching it, you know, it's one long, you know, monologue. And for an actor, to do it uncut, it's just amazing. And I read it after as well, but that explains the very odd, I'm in the corner of the bedroom camera angle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Tally Shire was there listening the whole time, too, and she was in the moment, too, making that scene. So only had one take, so a great piece of acting just by listening, sitting there, not doing anything, and making sure he's the focus. So at the end of this scene, I did catch myself cheering up completely, because this movie had me so in it. This movie had me hooked in so hard. At that moment, when I heard him say that, I'm like, yeah, what a great scene. I posted this on Facebook months ago, causing some speculation what this surprise (laughs) retrospective would be. I said, oh man, I can't believe I'm tearing up. I'm right there with you guys. There was a few moments when I got real tingly during this movie, but this scene, it got to me, man. I had tears in my eyes. But I have to say, Marjorie had never seen this film either, and she watched it with me. And during this scene, I'm getting all emotional and everything, and she's like, why are you getting emotional over Rocky? This film doesn't deserve it. So I think this is a guy thing. I gotta just go out on that limb and say this is a guy thing. I'm right there with you. I think as guys, and I'll just speak for myself, and you guys could agree or disagree, but we can't beer children. We have to make our mark on this world another way, and whether that's being in a rock band or creating Microsoft, podcasting, podcasting, (laughs) like, that's what we put our hopes on. That's why it gets to us, because, like, you know, we all tried our hand at different things, acting and writing and whatever. And I think for a guy, that's a really powerful moment that we all have these dreams and we would like them to be fulfilled. And it was in this moment that my entire opinion that I stated earlier about the populist nature of this film crystallized because it is the everyman dream. When I asked my wife if she wanted to watch it with me, she's like, Rocky, you want to watch that again? I've seen it already. Why don't I want to watch it again? (laughs) (laughs) But then again, you know, this Rocky could be like we talked about with First Blood. This Rocky is not what you think of when you think of a Rocky movie. I think of Rocky Four when I think of a Rocky movie or Rocky Three because that's what I've seen in full. This was not what I expected in a Rocky movie. And Arnie, I guess that's where I have problems when you say this is a populist film. It's not this vision of America where everyone's waving their flags. and It's not that kind of film, you know, like we'll get <laughs> in a couple weeks with Rocky Four. This is a film just about the working class guy. So yeah, it's populist in that way. I don't get rah-rah America. I get, here's this folktale about this myth of what America can be. And, you know, it's not about the flags. It's not about supporting your troops. It's about giving a chance to live up to your dreams. What I meant by populist is by appealing to the proletariat sector of America and saying that you don't have to have money, you don't have to have looks, you don't have to have brains, and you can still make something of yourself. Because Rocky has no money, he has no looks. I mean, I don't find Sylvester Stallone to be an attractive man. He's got nice pecs. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. I mean, In he, the face he, area, he, I get what you're saying. <laughs> he has no brains, you know? He has nothing going for him. He even calls it out in the film that he has no brains. Yeah, right. and so that's what I'm saying is it's very much that anyone can overcome the rich. You've got Apollo Creed, who's a smart man. He's a businessman. He's a rich man. And Rocky can stand there and go knuckle to knuckle with them because he's got heart. And that's what I'm saying is it's appealing to the proletariat. It's not that he's got heart. It's that he could take a punch. I mean, they call that out throughout the film is that's why he's lasted in the boxing world is because he could take a punch. I mean, even the Simpsons did an episode about Homer where he becomes a boxer that's successful because he could get punched a million (laughs) times and the person gets so tired they just pass out finally. I guess maybe we're splitting ears over terminology here. I just didn't see it's because he has a heart of gold that he could defeat the rich man. You see, and here's what I was thinking. If 
when we get to this end fight, after all the training, we get to the fight, and Rocky gets knocked down again and again, and he gets back up. My mind went straight to, is this is Cool Hand Luke, the 70s version. He also ate eggs. He did eat eggs. <laughs> <laughs> In Cool Hand Luke, there's one scene where he's fighting George Kennedy in the prison yard, and Luke, played by Paul Newman, knows he can't win against this guy, but he's just going to keep getting up, and George keeps punching him down and saying, stay down, and he's just going to keep getting up because this is his way of establishing in the prison yard that he has some toughness. He's just going to keep getting up, and it's his heart. He's just going to have the stamina and the determination and the soul. I found Cool Hand Luke doing it for a different reason than Rocky was doing it, Arnie. I think Cool Hand Luke was doing something different there. While it's certainly the same action, the motivation behind it is completely different in my mind. The movie device of it's the will to stand, that they're going to will themselves back up again and again. Because later on in the fight, Rocky gets knocked down, he gets back up. He gets knocked down, he gets back up. And he's telling him, don't end the fight. It's the strength of will. But Apollo does the same thing. He tells his trainers, don't end the fight. He gets up every time. But he's not getting knocked down that often. He's still getting knocked down. He's got broken ribs. His face is all busted up. He's getting hit, but he's not going down. He goes down. The first round, he knocks Apollo down. They throw the line in there. That's the first time Apollo's ever been knocked down. He's never been knocked on the map before. He's punching Apollo so hard that he's breaking his ribs. I mean, he's taking him out there. It's not just that he's got the heart of gold and he'll just stand there and take as many punches and pull himself up every time. I mean, he's tough. He's strong. He's standing on his own. He's not taking out this prize fighter's ribs. I think Rocky beat the living shit out of Apollo, but what I think we saw more of is Rocky get closer to the canvas more. Apollo was certainly getting beat up, Jacob, mm -hmm. but I don't think we saw Apollo on the mat after that first round, if memory is serving me correctly. That's what I remember as well. But the point is still valid that what Jacob's making is that Rocky was not just getting knocked down and getting back up. He was getting knocked down, getting back up, and getting his punches in against this other guy. Yeah. Arnie, you make it sound like Rocky got fairy dust sprinkled over him, and that's what pulled him up every time because of the goodwill of his heart and the magic pixie That's kind of how I see it. No, no. You, no. you need to watch this film a few hundred times more like I <laughs> have, then. <laughs> then you'll get it. I'm not saying he doesn't get his punches in. He does. Like you said, he gets some good licks in. But at the end, what that's telling me is when 99 guys out of 100 are going to be out on that mat knocked out, he wills himself back up and wills himself to go the distance. He didn't will him. He called it out before the fight that that's his one goal, to go the distance. And he has the will to do it. Okay, but Apollo has the will to win. If I go into a hockey match, I used to play hockey and I was a goaltender, if I wanted to have a shutout... I had to will that, and if I willed it hard enough, I'm not saying my will was the magic power that did it, but I would be able to dig deep and perform better. In reality, there's a lot of things like actual skill level, practicing, skill of your opponent. You can't just will it, and if you're punched in the face, you can't always just will yourself back on your feet unless you're cool hand luke or rocky but again they called it out that he could take a punch that's his one strength is that he could take a punch so it's not like he's just standing there taking punches because he's willing it they call that out at the beginning of the film that that's his one strength as a boxer that's why he's ever won a match and then the announcers actually say it humorously how are these two men still standing 
I love how they always put announcers like play-by-play guys in a movie because <laughs> in real life they're not doing that. You got to have the Greek chorus there. Of Come course, on. you know it's a movie, so we'll get along with that. While we're talking about the boxing match, and I think we all agree that the boxing match isn't really what this movie is really about. But Arnie, you mentioned earlier about the fight choreography in the bottom of the church. How did you like the fight choreography here? I thought it was pretty good. I mean, honestly, I thought it was very good. Obviously, a couple of times we noticed that they didn't hit each other. A couple times? A couple <laughs> times, which would be nice about that. But for the most part, I thought it was an awesomely choreographed fight. And, of course, this is the template for what is to come later on in the series. My thinking is I didn't see a fight. I saw a montage of a fight. <laughs> you know, you see the women holding up the round signs and you see the guys in the corners looking haggard but really we only see like three rounds of the fight and those three rounds were okay but because this isn't a boxing movie it's a drama and Mm -hmm. i'm on stallone's side i'm there i'm like come on come on they put a lot of work into this ending scene Stallone wrote 32 pages of choreographed moves. They filmed it all with 8 millimeter. studied the film, studied how they could throw the punches better. I mean, they spent six weeks just practicing this end fight. A lot of work went into it. And again, going by these two boxers that did this commentary, this is really the only part you need to watch if you want the boxers commentary. The rest of the time, they're kind of wondering when the fighting's coming up. (laughs) They said it was pretty authentic. You know, one of my things with Rocky that always sticks out in my mind is the guy doesn't do defense. He never holds his gloves yeah, off. I agree. That actually bothered me about this. Yeah, was, yeah. Well, they called it out. They said for a southpaw, that's actually pretty typical that a lot of southpaws hold their gloves down. And the way Rocky punched, punched like a southpaw. They said the punches in here looked like a pretty authentic match. I've watched a lot of boxing. And what we said earlier holds true. There's much more blocking and hugging in real boxing. Real boxing isn't this exciting. No. But that said... A lot of cinematic boxing matches are more exciting than this. I mean, even Rocky Marciano, who Rocky takes his name from, who was the only heavyweight boxer to never lose a match. He didn't do any defense. He never held his gloves up. I mean, so I've always been skeptical. I'm right there with you guys. I'm just saying now that I have this extra knowledge from this mm-hmm. boxer commentary track that I don't believe I listened to. <laughs> they called some things out. I get what you're saying, though. It's always bothered me until I heard these boxers talk about the match. And I do want to say one more thing about exciting boxing. Heavyweight boxing is not like this. But if you watch a lower weight classes... Uh, those punches yes. fly like you wouldn't believe, yeah. and you see some really exciting matches if you watch middleweights and welterweights and things like that. The lower you go, the more punches fly and the more damage is done, and it's really exciting. I just want to put that out there if you're actually interested in watching boxing. So what about the ending? Rocky loses, and we talked about this with Karate Kid, and I said daniel should have lost. Rocky losing, I of course knew it was coming, but should he have won? Given the movie this is, Should he have had the ultimate victory there? I like this ending. I find it funny, Arnie, that you're asking that after saying that Rocky had this magic pixie dust willpower to just stand up for 15 rounds and take punches. I find it odd that now you're wondering if he should have won. I'm just wondering from a script development standpoint and from a, again, appealing to the masses standpoint, don't the masses want to see Rocky win or does it make him more relatable that he didn't? I like that he didn't win because, again, every underdog movie you watch these days, they're going to win. The Mighty Ducks are going to win. The Bad News Bears are going to win. Everyone's going to win. If they remade Rocky... They rebooted it. He would win. I think that's the expectation of audiences these days where America post Reagan, rah, 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 we're going to win everything. We beat the Russians. We're going to win. This was a different America. This was America that had 
lost in Vietnam, and that was still a specter that hung over the nation. Economically depressed, we had Nixon who had to resign the presidency because he was a crook. This was a nation that had been beat up, and we would take any little victory if we could just outlast this. Maybe we could get past this economy, past the politics, past the wars, and things will be brighter. And so I think that's why this ending works. It's not about winning. It's about standing up and being able to get through these trials and proving it to yourself. You don't have to prove it to anyone else. You got to just prove it to yourself. I'm right there with Jacob on that is that in a lot of ways, he accomplished what he set out to do and he got what he wanted. And it was a split decision. If it makes you feel any better. He almost won a couple of more punches and his bell didn't ring, et cetera, et cetera. What if, what if, what if? But I think he proved himself to himself. He got the respect that he's not a bum and he knows he can go out of that ring knowing he's not a bum. And he has the love of the woman he loves at the end of this movie. And he got what he wants. Rocky says it flat out to all of us that he's not going in this to win. He doesn't think he's going to win. He has certain goals in mind here. The fact that he came so close to winning is a bonus. I think this ending is great for the movie we just watched. I do agree with you also that if it's remade today, they might have him win. And depending on that movie and how it's set up, it might be appropriate for that movie. But for this movie we watched and this whole two-hour movie we just watched, I think him losing at the end is inconsequential. Because even the camera thinks so, because you see Apollo, not even a clear shot of Apollo, you see some guys in the foreground even, and you see him cheering, but we're really focused on Rocky, and you see he doesn't even care. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's all right there. Yeah, I love they're asking him questions, and he's just, Adrian! Like, he doesn't care about this fight. He has something else on his mind, and it's not, did I win the fight? I went the distance, I accomplished that. Now, where's Adrian? And... I welled up during that moment, too, because it wasn't about the fight for him. It was about the woman. And that's what we've watched for two hours is his personal growth. And when he walks out of that ring, he walks out of it prouder, knowing he was able to go the distance that he wanted. But he also walks away admitting his love for Adrian, which he had not yet done. Earlier when he's talking to Paul, he's like, I like her. (laughs) I love this scene. It's emotional. And I also get a laugh out of it when she says, Polly, Polly, and he like backhands the rope up to get her in. I always smile at that part. I certainly tear up here. I don't full out ball. Oh, no. But I certainly have tears come out of, you know. We're men. We don't ball. <laughs> well, feel the dreams. I will admit to bawling at the end of every time I watch it. But a great ending to this movie. I love this ending of this movie. So, Jacob, Arnie, do you recommend Rocky? Jacob. Yes, I recommend Rocky. I highly recommend Rocky. This is a great film. It's not a boxing film. And uh, it gets thrown in that category because there's like 10 minutes of boxing at the end, a little bit at the beginning. But this is a great drama. I like the writing. Arnie had some problems with it. I love the acting. Just about every performance in this film, strongly acted. I'm not surprised that just about everyone got nominated for an Academy Award here. Great acting. And I love the story. Like, for me, when I start talking about America, it's not about a flag. It's not about military domination. It's about people that are struggling and that they have the chance. There's not a monarchy keeping us down. There's not social classes that anyone could rise up and become what they want if they work hard. And yes, I guess that is populist, Arnie. I'll finally give that to you. <laughs> Thank you. That is the proper definition of populist. I was going with a different connotation, the flag-waving one. I will give you that. But to me, this is a folktale, and I think story is important. Not just that there's an actual well-told story, but I think the kind of stories we surround ourselves with are important. And that, yes, I like dark movies. I love Taxi Driver. I watch it quite regularly. There's a Godfather I enjoy as well. Those are dark movies, but I think it's also important to have those inspiring movies, those ones that give you a sense of strength, because... 
you know, much like the depressed economy and the slums of this film. That's how life is at times, and you need someone to help pull you out, whether that's the Christ figure in the gym pulling Rocky up out of this match or just your own self pulling yourself up. I think it's an inspiring story. For me, Schmaltzy is that inspiration, but it doesn't have the acting. It doesn't have the writing, the directing, the cinematography, all that. You know, Soul Surfer about the girl who shark eats off her arm, and <laughs> through her will, she becomes a great surfer. Like, to me, that's Schmaltzy. This film goes above that because of the acting, because of just all the technical achievements in this film. So, yes, highly recommend Rocky. Arnie. Yes, I recommend Rocky. Highly. Very strongly. And Jacob, I think because you are the uber fan of Rocky here, you get very defensive when I... Unlike Rocky, I could hold my gloves <laughs> yes, up. You're, yeah, you get very defensive at some of the things. But what I'm saying, I'm saying are there are weaknesses to this script. There's a reason we don't sit around going, man, there's a new Charlie Kaufman film and it's co-written by Sylvester Stallone. I got to see that. You know, he didn't go on to be a writer. He went on to be an actor in such films as Tango and Cash, Over the Top, and Demolition Man, and Judge Dredd. So there are some inherent flaws that this movie takes shortcuts. But I think that, as you just mentioned, Jacob, all these other things, the performances, the technical achievements, overcome that. And I mean, you're talking to a guy who loves Star Wars. Star Wars is a fairy tale with laser guns. I'm not afraid to admit it. I recognize that it also, story-wise, is stunted. But it doesn't make it a, not a great film. And with Rocky, though, I was surprised how much I liked it. I expected to like it, but I was surprised how much. And this is the type of movie that, if you were to watch it, might go, this is a great movie. Arnie, you shouldn't watch it. You're going to be bored. Because it doesn't fight for the last 10 minutes. That's what I was wondering if that was going to happen, honestly, Arnie. I was wondering about that. Because what happened was this film grabbed me and sucked me into its reality. These people, because of the way they're drawn, felt like people that I felt I knew. I could relate to their struggles in the most, again, populist of senses. Rocky was fighting for everyone and Rocky was me. And it inspired me in some very personal ways. Everyone wants to improve. Everyone wants their shot at the spotlight. Everyone wants to think that even if they don't succeed, they can go the distance. It's a universal theme distilled here in such a pure fashion. And he didn't win the fight, but the movie wasn't about the fight. It was about personal growth, both Rockies and Adrian's, which was shocking to me. And at the end, they have each other, and that was their victory. So yeah extraordinarily strong recommend this film was a knockout yeah all of that so you know i always focus on the acting because that's what i know and i love the acting in this movie and every time i watch this movie i am impressed by the little things that everybody does and i say everybody i mean the top five actors in the movie of course i also have that moment with duke that i just love and i love the direction in this movie and i love how bare bones this actual movie is sometimes you forget when you see other Rocky movies, how bare bones this one is and what it conveys to me as a person and how it affects me in many different levels. And the three of us are coming at this from three different angles, as we always do. But as we talked about in this podcast, I was impressed at the three different ways and how we interpreted things differently. And we all end up at the same place at the end. Highly recommend. And this movie is one of those movies that it's 35 years old, but it still works. And I think it's a testament to the script and I think it's a testament to the performances 
I think is a testament to everything involved, the music, everything here. It's not a perfect film, but it certainly is a very, 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 very good one. And so, yes, I highly recommend it. If you haven't seen it, you should really see it. And I know, as Arnie said, a lot of people think they know Rocky because they've seen other movies in the series. And few people understand, really, what Rocky came from. <laughs> watch this movie and you'll find out. It's a great movie, and I can't speak highly enough of it. Go watch this movie. So if you enjoyed this podcast, please go to our archive section. You can find hundreds of other podcasts about many different series, like Friday the 13th. The X-Men is part of our Marvel series. You can find Friday the 13th, Terminator, Rambo, a whole bunch of other kinds of movies you can find all there at nowplayingpodcast.com. If you want to join in the conversation, please join us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. You can go to the forums. A link to our forums is on our homepage, nowplayingpodcast.com, and you can discuss this film with us and other listeners like yourself. If you go to Facebook, you'll find the three of us and the other Now Playing hosts post mini movie reviews of things we see during the week, and discussions happen there as well. And don't forget, we still have our vote going on through the end of the year. What will be our $25 donation series in the spring? Is it going to be Men in Black 1, 2, and 3, with 3 being a weekend of release review? Or Spielberg's more loose trilogy of classic films, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, E.T., and War of the Worlds? One of these things is not quite as classic as the other. But... I was about to say... <laughs> And I guess there's a third option. Unlike this, Rocky, you lose a bow, but you got your pride and you win that way. No, there's going to be a clear winner. Whatever doesn't win, we're never going to do. So if you want to hear Men in Black, you better vote Men in Black, because if that loses, we're never doing it. If you want to hear about E.T. and Spielberg, you better vote that, because if that loses, we're never going to do it. Well, I promise if we do Men in Black, I will wear a black suit and a black tie and sunglasses the entire time I record. And I will nod my head. <laughs> and... Until the rematch, we'll talk to you soon. I can't believe this is happening. I can't. And I just want to say thanks to Apollo for fighting me, Apollo. I want to thank, thank Mickey for training me. Most of all, I want to thank God. This is the greatest night in the history of my life. I just want to say one thing to my wife who's home. Yo, Adrian! I did it! Thank you for listening to this episode in the now-playing Rocky Retrospective Series. Why this fighter of limited ability has gained such popularity is such a mystery. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week as we get in the ring and review another Rocky film. When I leave you, you'll not only know how to fight, you'll be able to take care of yourself outside the ring. So Mickey loves you. And in the NowPlayingPodcast.com archives, you can find reviews of other films such as Rambo, The Karate Kid, Terminator, Total Recall, X-Men, and many more. It makes a man a better man. We wish to educate your country. And while at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums where you can discuss these films with other listeners. Don't listen to it, Rocky. No, do listen to it, Rocky. You can also follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes, and where the hosts post movie mini-reviews. Links to our social media pages are at nowplayingpodcast.com. Very American. It's very smart. And remember, after this show, I'm going to fake. What favor? Support from listeners like you help keep Now Playing operating. You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website. 
nowplayingpodcast.com. Mr. Gazzo says I should get the 200 to break your thumb. You understand? Please, huh? Please. Give me some money. You can also show your love of Now Playing Podcasts by shopping in our store, where you can buy Now Playing t-shirts, coffee mugs, mouse pads, and much more. The link to our Cafe Press store is available on our homepage. What are you going to do with the money? Well, the first thing i got to do is i got to pay the rent, you know. Now Playing's Rocky Retrospective series is edited by Carlos and Arnie. Don't worry. <laughs> I'll clean it up for you, bully. Now Playing is not affiliated with MGM or United Artists, and no infringement is intended. Seems like lately everybody wants to beat me up. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Inganza Media Incorporated. I pity the fool, and I will destroy any man who tries to take what I got. Now Playing is a Vinganza Media production, copyright 2011, all rights reserved. It's over. It's all over. And, you know, for all you bedwetters out there, Michael Landon's The Loneliest Runner. Haven't seen that one. Oh, you should. They showed it to me in class for some reason, in health class. But it's a good movie. You should check it out. <laughs> because of the bedwetting, Arnie? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. All right. Well, speaking of bedwetting, let's get to a plot summary. No, I'm kidding. Um, well, hold on. Yeah, I'm just kidding. I got one more thing. Yeah. And all that probably should be cut probably. there. But... <laughs> Me. The two performances of people who talk a lot and are enjoyable are Merges Barredith and Carl Weathers. Those are the say two. That, say, say that again. You said Merges Barredith. Burgess Meredith. Burgess Meredith. <laughs> Blooper. Yeah. You did me. There's cutscenes from Grumpy Old Men. <laughs> yeah, if you watch the credits, they have a whole bunch of uh, oh, bloopers. Okay, okay. I thought like you were watching DVD special features for Grumpy Old Men. I'm like, wow, that's not time for I my have. Grumpy Old Men retrospective that I'm doing <laughs> with Jerry and. Oh shoot, sorry. That's for that's for not playing. <laughs> <laughs> it's to hit our 70 and above demo of donors. You did me. <laughs> Sometimes I hate going last. <laughs> What am I supposed to say after that? Yeah, I mean, the f- um, I highly recommend Rocky. Let's move on to Rocky, too. Uh, you did me. Last person we haven't talked about yet is Mickey, Burgess Meredith. The Penguin. Oh, Mickey, he's so fine. And, uh, <laughs> you did me. Let me see if this works, okay? If it doesn't work, I'll just sign off normally. So, all right, and so till next time, <laughs> eat lightning and crap thunder. Is it just stupid? Because it's my, it's my favorite line in the movie, and I didn't get a chance to talk about it. Let, cut it. Just go yeah, right it doesn't work as a sign off, nope. though. All right, all right. Yeah, I, I was. Do you think or not? <laughs> Until a next time, sit on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> you did me.